Welcome to the show we like to call Happy Teacher, Happy Life, where educators are empowered to be their best and live their best life. Join host Lynn Harden as she mentors teachers to create happiness, improve self-care, better their communication and relationships, and redefine their balance between work and home. Tune in to find your happy place and create your happy life. Here's Lynn. Hey, everybody. This is Lynn Harden from Happy Teacher, Happy Life. And for this episode, we will talk about a simple solution for refining work-life balance and finding out what connects our thoughts, which leads to how we feel, and then the actions are what we do or don't do and creates a result. I'm going to talk about thinking or thoughts, specifically stinking thinking, and some tips and tricks on what to do about it. Several of the teachers that I've worked with and have coached share their thoughts about how difficult it is to balance work and home. With work taking the more, the higher significant percentage of time and energy. Since it is human to strive for homeostasis and balance, that's what we're going to learn about. And that's what we're going to solve. And I just want to remind you, no one is misbehaving. If you added up the hours spent on work, spent on family and friends, and time on ourselves, work hours are at the top of the list. And what if this result began with a thought? Some of the more common teacher thoughts are, there's not enough time for work-life balance. It's just not a possibility. And even if it is, it's got to be extremely hard. There's so much grading, too much important planning. What if these thoughts were opinions and not facts are true? Now, hang with me. I get it. I believe that everything I think has to be the truth. I'm just going to throw it out there. I think what's difficult or I see as a hurdle that we educators are organized and planners by nature. A critical part of teaching is lesson planning, pacing guides, and planning for the day. There is a definite schedule. And there's a rhythm to the year. And certain things happen at certain times of the year. Whether it's back to school night or open house, holiday breaks, benchmarks, report cards, testing, Friday quizzes, kindergartners coming alive in January, there's a plan. And we want to find the perfect plan. And we want to see the definitive to-do list or strategy that will finally simplify our teacher lives. And then we believe once we've got that one, we're set. And then way in the back of our mind, these little thoughts begin to creep in and surface. Oh, this planning is too hard. It's not possible. There's not enough time to do the planning. Monitoring my time is time consuming. I just don't think this is possible. The concept of work-life balance is just too hard. I mean, I get it. I've been out of balance in some form or another, a big part of my life. And I understand. I cannot tell you how many journals, planners, calendars at glance that I purchase thinking this will be the one that makes it possible for me to have a good life and do well at work 
And then those stinking thoughts would sink in. I remember my first years of teaching and staff development. Usually outside consultants presented in meetings to help us or guide us in self-care, wellness, and well-being. How to have balance, how to take care of oneself, how to be organized, how to plan. And this was also a theme for staff development for this year. I would go to those meetings with great hope, great intention that this would help. Because from the very beginning of teaching, I knew that this would be a problem. At least this was my thinking. And they were the experts. They were the experts. And what I found out is they never taught, they'd never been in public education, or they had never been an administrator. And they were just experts on efficiency and being effective. I knew, I've always known that the solution would be within our community. And I also knew that once I became a principal, I wanted to help my teachers with having time and being present for their families. I wanted to say and did say yes when they went to their child's kindergarten graduation or left a little early for a baseball game. I wanted them to be present for themselves and know that their teaching was great and feel that they were enough. I got certifications as a relationship coach, transformational life coach, administrator, certified administrative credential to coach admin. So I, I have all the pieces of paper and I'm grateful for those. But more importantly, I've had the experience. I studied it and I loved it. And I'm not here to say that my life never gets out of balance, but it's good enough for me to be living my best life. Besides, it's not supposed to be perfect. We're not supposed to have perfect balance. Transformation is a slow process and so worth it. I would try to be efficient and do it all, which didn't work. And then I would start feeling like there's something wrong with me and I began to feel defeated. And I would stay overwhelmed. That's a common word I would use. I'm overwhelmed. And then the anxiety about why I can't get this done. Why isn't this working? And then I was sad because I was missing out on seeing my family. So I get that it can be tough to make a transformational change, such as finding work-life balance with those kinds of feelings and those kinds of thinking. The way I handled those feelings was to push harder and to give up on tiny pieces of myself by working late and working weekends. I had a daughter in fifth grade who had dance classes, dance recitals, and needed to be picked up from her school. There was this one time where she was the only student standing there in front of the office because I was late picking her up. It broke my heart. I said, that's it. Something's got to give. And I've decided I'm done buying those planners or those perfect journals that say they're going to organize your life and make it possible to have work-life balance. And I'm also done giving myself a beat down and taking any more organizational courses. I'm just done with that perfect planner idea. 
I'm done looking on the internet for ways to find work-life balance and spend time with my family. So what did I do? I started simple. I thought, what can I do? What slight shift can I make for today? And I wrote about that in a simple, uncomplicated, not fancy journal that was just empty pages. And that first thought, that first simple shift I made was I would have an end time each workday. And I wrote it down knowing that when I would end Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and when I would end on Wednesday, if there was a staff meeting, I had to begin to think, I, I'm not just going to do this for a little bit and I'm going to start small. I'm going to make it easy. And I didn't get too far in the future of looking at this perfect balance between my job at school and my life at home. I didn't focus on the future. It was just, what can I do for today? I can leave work at this time. And it doesn't matter if I'm the first one out or everyone is there still working. This is my time to close the door, lock it and go home to my life. So for example, as I closed the door and locked up and a parent needed to talk or a staff, another staff member wanted to speak to me about a child. And I was unable to keep that commitment that I had made to myself and my family to leave on time. I'd be really angry with them and then angry with myself that why can't I be honest? Why can't I just set those limits? Why do I give in knowing that I need to leave on time to pick up my daughter and give in and stand there and not leave when I said that I would go and then it would be at this time. Can you see how just because I didn't do it perfectly, these thoughts are not helpful? So a parent would come to my door and say, and start talking and tell me that they needed to speak. And I remember the first time I said, I hear what you're saying, and this is really important to me, but let's make an appointment because I'm heading out the door to go home. And then the next day I would have another opportunity to be honest about leaving on time. And I wouldn't, I would just stand there and I would let someone take all my power, all my time. And they just allow the, the time and energy. And then the next day I would have an opportunity to be honest about leaving on time and I wouldn't. I just didn't do it perfectly, but I did it in small steps. And each time I was able to honor this commitment I had made to myself, I celebrated. So today that doesn't happen. But back in the day it did. So the process is commit to something simple and easy. Be kind to yourself when you don't do it perfectly. And it will become a habit. And more importantly, watch that self-talk, that self-loathing 
I would speak to myself like, you know, you're such a terrible mother. You're a terrible mother. You can't get to your kids on time. You're a horrible teacher because you can't stay and talk and collaborate with your teammates. That is a choice I made and it was punishing. It's weird. At some level, I thought I needed to be punished and I wasn't even aware of that self-talk. It was just comfortable, familiar. It was a part of me, a fundamental aspect of me. I was horrified in my journaling and I would see that I was speaking to myself that way. I would never talk to a child, a student, or my own children that way. And it was really surprising to hear what my back channel of talk was. I now know today that this is the unconscious part of our brain, which is responsible for keeping us alive and not responsible for making sure that I live my best life or that I'm happy or that I feel joy. So when I would catch that thinking, I would go back to what I did or continue with living one day at a time, one moment at a time, even with my self-talk. But what happened was my organization use of time and balance began to improve. I started looking at my thinking and first noticing, whoa, that is negative. And I wouldn't speak to anyone that way to the next step of thinking, well, that's not a really helpful thought. I wanted to be the best version of myself as a mother, a wife, a teacher, a principal, an educator. So I began to put energy into my thinking rather than how much more time I need in the day or how I can control others to just leave me alone. I began to think, how can I set boundaries rather than focusing on the outside world? I put my energy into being the best version that I could be. And that's when the shift began. I think rather than the first shift was I really noticed when I used phrases like have to, should, could, or would, I noticed those. And there's nothing that we should do. There are always choices. So when I flipped those thoughts, it began to create momentum for the results I desired, which was being my best and coming from a place of love, coming from a place of, by looking at my thinking, I'm doing this for myself. I'm doing this so I will feel better for my students, my family, my friends. They deserve this. Think about it. A happy teacher. Think about what that would be like for students and our own children. I believe happiness is probably more important than instructional ability. If you're a happy teacher, your kids will learn. Today, I still practice catching those thoughts. And I use the word catch because there is 
no way to completely eliminate them. It's how our brain is hardwired. It's how we were made. I don't judge them. I don't try to push them away. They're natural and there really is no way to stop them. But left unchecked, those thoughts can lead to pretty crummy feelings and even worse results. Those feelings are going to come. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. It doesn't mean that you're broken because you're having these thoughts. If something has to be wrong, then it is believing these thoughts are true. Believing that if I think it, it's got to be true. What if it wasn't? What if it was just an opinion? Another thing that I do when I'm aware of my thinking, I don't loop it. I don't say it over and over again. I don't fixate on why I'm having these thoughts or what part of my childhood I may have made this decision or who did this to me. I don't create any drama around it. I don't romance the thought and I certainly don't let them live rent free in my head. I write, I look at them. If I can't make that shift, I ask for help. I talk to another person. And something miraculous happened. After doing this type of thought work, I stopped working weekends. I didn't put a lot of pressure on myself. I just had the thought. I haven't worked a weekend in years. I decided, I thought, I'm going to spend more time restoring, refreshing, and spending time with my family and friends. It was just my rule. And it's been my rule for 15 years. This is what I knew. I told myself, this is how I'm going to figure out that work-life balance. This is the change I'm going to make. The first one was leaving on time. And the second was, I don't work weekends. The truth is, there's nothing on the weekend work that couldn't be done the next week. I had no interest in learning a work-life balance solution that would swing out of balance in the future, which I also had become an expert at doing. I had a good reason. I had children. They'd lost their father at a, run, a very early age who already lost a parent. And I didn't want them to lose another parent. So I fought hard to keep that balance. And I didn't do it perfectly. But I showed up to the best of my ability as my and my better version got better and better as I practiced this new way of thinking. I also had a husband who I've now been married to for 28 years who deserved a wife that showed up that was present for him. Overworking Another phrase, it could be called workaholism, and this was definitely a typical behavior in my family. I didn't see my father much growing up because of his overworking, lack of balance, call it workaholism. He traveled the world with security service, serving others. And it was important to me that I did it different with my own family. It's why when I see teachers who are, they're women who are overwhelmed, wanting more time, exhausted, burned out, 
they do look for a quick fix and there isn't a quick fix like affirmations or just, well, just make your thinking positive, but there is a simple one and there's no real magic to it. If there was, I would not be willing to do something that I couldn't keep doing. And when you're loving up on yourself and doing what feels nurturing, loving, it's a lot easier to keep going. So what I'll be helping teachers do is making simplicity, making balance possible. The lesson plans doable. Those pacing guides are achievable. Your children's schedule, living life feasible and straightforward. I just love the phrase simplifying your teacher's life. Another thing in changing my thinking was I had to make it feel authentic. I couldn't do that thing, fake it till you make it. That just never really worked for me. As a recovering perfectionist, I would shoot high in my expectations. So you may have heard the phrase pivot your thoughts. So I, at the beginning, would pivot my thought from, I'm the most terrible mother in the whole world to I'm the best mother in the universe. I didn't believe that. So I would just make it empowering. I would think about this empowering thought that I am a woman who is learning how to show up as the best version of herself as a mother. I am in the process. That's very different than the inauthentic thought. I'm the best mother in the universe. It just wouldn't help to blow smoke up my rear. I would make better decisions and my choices would come from a place of love. We have to find something that makes sense to us. We have to find something that allows us to believe in it. And when you make sense of it and you believe it, you'll start knowing what to do. It just becomes intuitive and it builds momentum. So your call to action for this week is, why don't you look for some teeny tiny thoughts you could change in your life? Pick one easy that you could change that would lead you in the direction towards work-life balance. That's when momentum begins to build with that first tiny thought. So in closing, my words of wisdom are live one day at a time or live one moment at a time. Catch your thoughts without judgment. Think about a small change that you could make in your thoughts and a small change you could make in how you live each day at work and home. This can be done through journaling. This can be done through talking to a friend. And when those ugly, nasty, stinking thoughts pop up, which they will, they never really go away. My favorite tool is to turn the volume down. Why not just tell your voice in your head to go out for recess right now? Because I'm making a small change that I can live with and bring me in balance. It's okay to go outside and play. In the next episode, I'm going to get into journaling 101. I'm going to really support you and explain the heart of journaling so that we can write down those new beautiful thoughts dreams, plans, and goals. 
Thank you for listening to Happy Teacher, Happy Life. If you enjoyed today's show, visit happyteacherhappylife.com to find community, access information about our guests, and sign up for our newsletter. Be sure to rate and review us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.